0: You're listening to The Crossing Church Podcast. This week, our lead pastor, Greg Dumas, continues our Can We Talk About This series with a message on living courageously. We hope you enjoy this weekend's message. From our campuses, give them a big hand. What's up, South Shore Plant City? God bless you. Amen. Delighted that you're here today. Uh, didn't Pastor Stephen do a great job a couple weeks ago and then my wife for uh, Mother's Day? Especially my wife. Well, she really did an incredible job. So good to be with you today. We're talking about having courage in times like these, and um, we all feel the pressure kind of not to talk a little bit in our culture. You know, if you, uh, if you say the wrong thing online, you could get banned, right? Banned or canceled or, you know what I mean? We're in a culture that's kind of a cancel culture. I believe that's what Pastor Stephen spoke about. But, you know, that's why we named this series, Can We Talk About This? Because we really want to talk. And, you know, if you meet with your family together for a family meal, there's two things that you're supposed to not talk about, right? Politics and? Politics and religion. Yeah. And, um, but, all right, and I get it. We totally get it. We don't want to make enemies of family members, uh, do we? No. No way. All right. But if (laughs) you guys are like, "Mm mm-mm, don't do it. This doesn't work out. And so the thing is, is if we can be kind and gracious and speak the truth in love, then we need to risk it. We need to risk it. Because if we don't risk it, here's what's happening to our culture, we will lose the ability for civil discourse. We'll lose it. And if we lose, (laughs) with the emphasis on civil, we we need to have discourse. uh, And because if discourse goes away, the next thing to go away could be um, our witness for Jesus. And we could never, 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 church, we could never, ever in a million years lose our witness for Jesus, amen? Amen. We we just can't, okay? And so we wanna pray today, we wanna ask God to give us courage, and and would you join me across our campuses like that? say, Father, thank you for today, and we thank you that you give us, just in your heart of hearts, in your mind, give me courage. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said amen and amen and amen and i feel before i go any further i just i want to bind up anything this has nothing to do with uh so so it has nothing to do with people it has to do with spiritual things and so father we bind in the name of jesus every lie that comes from satan we bind it Uh, and and we loose all the truth that comes from the lord jesus Amen? amen amen can we thank god for that come on Okay, so let me tell you what, what, um, what we're not talking about when, when we talk about having courage. It's not demeaning or threatening or hostile or inhospitable. It's not about politics. Everybody say politics. Okay, it's not what we're talking about today. Take a deep breath. But I want to ask you a question. If we were, would it be okay? Some of you are like, mm hmm. Some of you are like, mm hmm. You know, Joshua, Joshua chapter 1, we're going to talk about that in just a second. It says, don't turn from the word of God. Do not turn from the word of God to the left. Come on, get an amen. Amen. And it says, don't turn to the right. Can I get an amen? Amen. Okay, guys, come on, listen. It's not not blue. It's not red. It's Jesus. Uh, Jesus is the one that we're looking for. And you should have a party platform. And I, I hope that you do. And I hope that you know why you do. And I hope that the reason why you have a party platform is because that platform, although imperfect as it is, is the closest thing that represents scripture to you. And scripture should be, I mean, I think scripture should be evident to all of us and what we believe in and and all of those things. And and if I were to take off my pastor hat, I do have a party platform, but the party platform is based on principles and the party platform is based on the principles of scripture. And Jesus is always above the platform. (laughs) So we can talk and we can even disagree about what the platform is, but we can't disagree about what the principles are. Because scripture lays the principle out for us. When we deviate from scripture, we've deviated from a whole lot of things that are good, namely Jesus. The, the attitude that we have for one another is love. We wanna love one another. We wanna encourage one another. We wanna be able to debate and discuss and even to disagree. Everybody say disagree. disagree. It's okay to disagree. You know, I, I, can, I loose that? can I just let that loose in the church? It's okay to disagree. It's okay to disagree. Some of you, some of you who are 20 and younger, you believe disagreement is against the law. Come on, are you with me? Disagreeing is okay. You can disagree and you can still be friends. You can disagree and still be kind. You can disagree and still love. You can disagree and still have dialogue together. You can disagree and still go to lunch. You can disagree. As long as when we disagree, we're all doing it in the context as believers of love, and really the issue is trying to do the best that we can to lead everybody into a loving relationship with Jesus, who is the Christ. And so the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23, it says, though I'm free, I belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone. So we submit ourselves, all right, to everyone, to win as many as possible. And then if you would, on the CG, if you'll skip down to verse 22, he says, to the weak I become weak. This is Paul. To win the weak, I have become all things. Say it with me. I have become all things to all men. Okay. So that by all possible means, I might save some. So if you're, wouldn't it be awesome if we live in the church and those who are really, really strong and you feel like you're on the top of the mountain can minister to those who are really, really at the bottom and feel like they're under the ocean. Wouldn't that be amazing? That's what we need. We need the weak and the strong to minister together. We need to be, whatever affiliation you have, we need to have an affiliation that's in Jesus, amen? That's who we call Lord. We can't lose our ability. We can't forfeit our ability to speak the gospel, 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. This is Paul talking to his protege, Timothy. He says, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season, correct and rebuke and encourage and with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine, instead to suit their desires that will gather around them a great number of teachers, men and women leaders and you can just include a whole bunch of people in this teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear and they will turn their ears away from the truth that's in the scripture and turn aside the myths is that happening in our culture yes. i mean we just come up with all kinds of things that aren't necessarily true it says but keep your head in all situations and in my bible it says dot 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 stay off of arguments on facebook Don't win arguments for which there's no prize. Don't don't fight with people. Yeah, I spent four days arguing with somebody. Okay, there's no prize for that. There really is no prize for that. If you want to talk to somebody online, that's great. And if you want to disagree online, that's great. But don't be ugly. Lead people to Jesus. Lead people to Jesus. That's what he's saying, okay? Um, Do you know that there there are places in uh, our country, here in the state of California, there are places that... uh, Currently, today, if you preach the gospel, you could be considered in, in breaking the law as a hate crime. Did you know that? And so, if precedent is set in California, okay, then precedent can be set in the Midwest and precedent can come to our great state and, and uh, right here in the state of Florida. Thank God for Governor Ron DeSantis, man. You guys are. He's not, he's not a. Guys, listen. He's not a. He's not, a, he's not a perfect guy, he's not perfect. Can anybody agree? <laughs> you guys are like, no, oh, he's not perfect. He's not a perfect guy, but he's a good guy. And, and I, I think that there are a lot of things that he does, and there's some things I, d- I disagree with, there's a lot of things that he does that line up. I can line up biblically with, I mean, I can line up. Okay, and so, but, but that doesn't mean we're worshiping a person, it doesn't mean that at all. It just means whoever the person is, uh, X, want I'm gonna find the best protocol to fit scripture. That's what, we're, that's what we're trying to do. And then we want to be thankful when somebody does, you know, at least get close to that. Do you know that there were, there were um, pastors who were in California, they were hauled off, they opened their churches during COVID and they were taken, they were taken by force out of the platform. Do you know that? Taken by force out of the platform. And so here's what I want to say to all the Christians, everybody who's listening to this, I'm not picking on California, no, 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 no. It's a land of fruit and nuts. <laughs> um. California's beautiful. You guys, thank you for humoring. Thank you for humoring, being humor. Okay, we gotta keep our humor, right? So here's what I mean. Christians served, has served the people who were the worst off in every circumstance throughout history. In other words, during the plagues and during all the places, Christians were the ones who ran to the fire. Christians were the ones that said, I know that you have disease on your skin, but I'm not afraid of your disease. I'm going to pray for you. I'm, 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 not offend, I'm not offended by what you say. I'm going to pray for you. I'm not afraid of what you're afraid of. I'm going to be next to you to pray for you. I'm, church, God has called us to have this kind of this fearless posture. God never says to be unwise. That's why we closed the church, amen? We closed it when we need to close it. And, and you don't need to be un, unwise. You don't just be simple-minded and unwise. We need to be thoughtful. We need to be careful, but we can't be too careful that we become fearful. And God is, God is moving us into a place where he's saying, I want you to worship me and I want, you to, I want you to believe in me and that I'm bigger than your circumstance and bigger than the giants that you face, amen? Okay, so we're gonna talk about fear for a second. We have to talk about Joshua chapter one when we talk about fear. And um, Chris Vallotton, I've heard this message preached many times. Chris Vallaton's the last guy that I listened to. So if there's anything good in this section, it's all about Chris. Chris is the one that said it, okay? Praise God. I'm gonna give him the, uh, the due credit. And so when we talk about Joshua in Joshua chapter one, the best leader in all the world, maybe the world has ever seen was Moses, all right? He parted the Red Sea. he, um, he called down all the miracles of God. He delivered a million and a half people. Some say a million and a half people out of uh, Egypt in the Exodus. He was an incredible leader, an evangelist. Uh, he was a miracle worker, but he didn't get to see the people go into the promised land, and so he failed. And so how many of you know that when you would look at a leader and a leader is the best the world has ever seen and that leader fails, and then you're up to take the people that he failed with, that's terrifying that's pretty scary. Hey, Josh, best leader in the world failed. You're up. (laughs) Do a great job. And so this text, this scripture is 40 years later after the people missed going into the promised land. How many of you know that you have a promised land? Come on. You have a promised land. God's given you a promised land, that's a promised place, but it's also a promised spirit, it's also a promised marriage, it's also a promise and a hope for a future where he loves you and he knows you. It's the promise of all good things. It doesn't mean that bad things don't come to you, it means that when bad things come to you, they're always under the hand of a God who's for you. Always. God has a promise for you. God has a promised land for you. Martin Luther King had a promise, we have a promise too, right? We have a promise. We, we have a promise, when we have a promised land and a God who promises it. And so, this scripture is forty years after they did not go into the promise, and He says to him, "Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous." Why? Because the previous generation didn't go in. The previous generation did not see the promise of God. They saw a part of it. They just said, "How many of you want the whole promise? <laughs> I want the whole promise. I don't want part of the promise. I want the whole promise." Here is what He says, Joshua, one sixty nine. Be strong and courageous, and you will lead these people inherit, to inherit the land that I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and be very courageous. Very important that you note, like underline in your scripture, that you will lead these people. All these people, Josh, are going to lead them, and the Lord says to you and to me, and you are going to lead them to inherit the land. The promise that your forefathers were promised. All right. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from the right, there's the quote, or to the left. (laughs) Stay focused on the word of God. Can I get an amen? Amen. that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, meditate on it day and night, so that you will be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Years ago, I was focused on building the church, building the church, and the Lord said, stop focusing on building the church. I said, what do you mean? I'm the pastor. He said, stop building the church and start cultivating my presence. And when you cultivate my presence, I promise there'll be prosperity and peace there. He he said, stop trying to do something. Yeah, you can clap for that, that's great. He said. He says, stop trying to do something for me. Start living from me. Start doing things from me. Have I not commanded you be strong and be courageous? Now, this is the third time. Do you think God's wanting to get a message across to Joshua? Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. And then he says, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged when you're in the pronoun wars. Come on, church. Come on, are you with me? When, it, when it's corporate and you're, and you're having a, all these things are coming, we're facing all these things. There's big tech, there's giants, they're big, they're big, they're big, they're big. I wanna tell you, no matter how big the big is, God's bigger than the big. God's bigger. He said, I'll be with you wherever you go. So fear is not your friend, right? <laughs> fear is just not your friend. If we say, um, I'm not afraid to fly, but then I minimize my life and I never fly, then really what I'm saying is, I don't fly because I'm afraid. Are you with me? So lots of people, if I I asked you, are you afraid? Lots of people say, I'm not afraid. And the point I'm trying to make is we can really easily minimize our lives. God doesn't want you to minimize your life. God wants you to fly, even if you're afraid of flying. Instead of minimizing our life, God wants us to face our fears. He says, I'm gonna be with you wherever you go. And wherever your feet land, I've given you that place. Why? Because I've given you the grace of the Holy Spirit to go in my name. I've given you the ability to do it. And so we kind of, we kind of mix it up a little bit when we say, well, I'm not afraid to fly. Really what we're saying is I've minimized my life so that I don't fly so I'm not afraid. <laughs> Denial is not just a river in Egypt, y'all. So it just, it's just rippling here at Tampa. It may make it to Plant City and South Shores It may make it on its way. Courage isn't the absence of fear. Joyce Meyer has this wonderful book. It's called uh, Do It Afraid. Do It Afraid. Go, go ahead and be afraid and then obey God. Go ahead and just, you're gonna experience fear. It's natural to experience fear. We're gonna experience fear, but we're gonna obey God even in the midst of fear. Do you know that just because you have an anointing to do something doesn't mean you're not gonna be afraid to do it so you have an anointing to teach, but you're terrified to teach. <laughs> so face your fear and teach in the power of God. Come on, somebody. And so, so it doesn't mean you, it, you have an anointing. God has given you an anointing. It doesn't mean, so sometimes we say, I'm afraid, so therefore I'm not supposed to do that. No, the indication that you're afraid is that you need God to do what you're about to do. We, we need God. We, we need him. Courage isn't always a roar. Sometimes courage is a little voice at the end of the day that says, I'll try again tomorrow. Come on, somebody. I'm not, you, you don't have to stand and beat your chest. You could just say, you know what? It whipped me today. Tomorrow, I'm going right back to it. Perseverance. Sometimes courage is easier to come by when you realize it's for other people. It, it's for other people. Um, God said to Joshua, I'm giving the promised land to all of those people. And he says, and... I know Moses was the greatest leader in the world, but Josh, you have the keys now. And I'm asking you to take the people over into the cross, into, I said into the crossing, that's what exactly what I meant, Woo! that's exactly what I said. Time to cross over. How many of you know that your courage can be a catalyst for other people? When you're courageous and you face your fear, when you break through, how many of you know that when you break through, others break through? And if you don't break through, others don't. Okay, so it's easier to have courage when you realize, this isn't for me, this isn't for me. I mean, it's great to be courageous and all those things. If you have, if you have a dream, and your dream is a big dream, but your dream doesn't include the benefit and blessing of other people, it's not a God dream. It might be a dream, but it's not a God dream. God's dream always has you in it because, you know, God could come down and do these things, but God needs an Esther. God needs a David. God needs a Cindy. God needs a Mike. God needs an Ann. He needs, he uses people on earth to be at the point of his spear to break through into his promise. And when you break through, lots of people come with you. Lots of people come with you. The essence of the gospel is that Christ laid down his life for us and 1 John 3, 16, he says, I lay down my life, and he says, now I want you to lay down your life. I want you to lay down your life. Don't make this thing all about you. It's not about you, and it's not about now. It's about them, and it's about later. Come on, somebody. It really is. In a message called The Gospel Worth Dying For, Charles Spurgeon said this, if the gospel of Christ isn't worth dying for, it can never be worth living for. And in a movie, uh, Braveheart, just to bring a little levity to where we are, the great theologian William Wallace said, Every man dies, but not every man lives. Every man dies, but not every man lives. Have you heard this quote before? We don't die when our hearts stop beating, we die when our hearts stop skipping a beat in pursuit of our passions. Come on, can we release passion in the name of Jesus? Release your passion, your passion, your passion, your passion, and it ends like this, when our hearts stop beating for the things that break the heart of God, that's when we die. The Apostle Paul says it like this, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And then he went on and he said, he said, all the things that I've accomplished, and Paul accomplished a lot of things. A brilliant man, just incredible man. Wrote a lot of the New Testament. And he goes, everything I count is rubbish. The all-surpassing knowledge of following Jesus as Lord. And then he tells the church of Philippi, he says, but I'm here to encourage you and your purpose and to see your full joy following the gospel of Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. It's, it's, yeah, you can clap. You can do it. <laughs> You can do it. God's calling his church to courage and not to repeat the failures of the past. And so we have to see our fears for what they are, they're opportunities to see how big our God is. Now unto him, say him, who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than you could ask or imagine according to the power that's at work within you. That's at work within you. And God did not give you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind, come on, God did not give you a spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. We need to deal with negativity from a biblical perspective. Negativity is the byproduct of fear, but fear is the outcropping, ultimately, of unbelief. You got unbelief, and then we get really fearful, and then we're really negative, negative. and boy, is that happening in our culture, or what? Negative, negative, no, just backbiting, and hurting, and All of the things that take place there. Have you heard this? A negative mind will never lead you to a positive life. Or how about this one? Don't let the negativity of someone else's words live rent-free in the space of your mind. Mmm. That should go on Twitter. (laughs) The original group of people that went to the promised land, the press-up of the promised land, could not get in because of negativity. But negativity was then connected to fear which was connected to unbelief unbelief fear negativity so when you see negativity you have to say okay the negativity obviously somebody's afraid and then when you understand that there's fear then you say okay somebody's unbelieving and there's just there's just two kinds of people in the world people who believe and people who don't and if you believe i want to tell you you don't if you believe in god you don't need to be afraid come on somebody and if you, if you believe in God and you don't, you don't, then watch this, watch this, watch this. If you believe in God, then you don't have to be afraid. And if you're not afraid, then you don't have to be negative. Sheesh. <laughs> Numbers 13, 26 through 14, watch this. <clears throat> 14.4. Okay. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. And they, there they reported the whole assembly and they showed them the fruit of the land and they gave Moses this account. We went into the land which, God, which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. This is a land God promised. The land God promises to you, the land promise, God promises to me, to everyone who's grafted into Jesus Christ, those who are Hebrews. This was originally what God said to the Hebrew people, but we're grafted in because we're believers in Jesus. And so the promise that was for them is the promise that's for us. You have a promised land. You have a promised heart, you have a promised future. God says, I promise to give you the promised land. I promise. Okay, so they say, the land is great, it's awesome. We went into the land, we saw it flows with milk and honey, here's its fruit, and um, great, I love grapes. How many of you love grapes? That's pretty sweet. I love, I've seen some big grapes, you know what I mean, pretty big. The Bible says that these grapes were exceedingly Great grapes, say that a, a couple times. They were the size of large apples. Some commentators say that these grapes were the size of grapefruits. And so there were four clusters of grapes, two men had to carry them on a pole, they brought them back. That's how great the land was. Incredible. And by the way, it's a modern miracle. When you go to Israel, Israel was a flat out desert And because of the blessing of God, it is an oasis. If you've been to Israel and you've seen, anyway, I'm preaching. Go ahead. You guys go to Israel. You'll see it for yourself. Verse 28, it says, but. And when you see a but in scripture, listen, when you see a but in scripture, the but can ascend. It's a but God. And we go, woo, but God. Or it can descend. Somebody say, woo. Or, or you can descend, but. Kind of like a used car salesman where he says, hey, the A.C. in this car is amazing. It blows cold, but it stopped working a month ago. (laughs) Right? We're going a different direction. So you got all this great news, but listen I want you to listen to the sound of this at your workplace. I want you to listen to this in your home. I want you to listen to this in the school. I want you to listen to this at work. I want you to listen to this in the news. but the people who live there are powerful. Can you see a word that's different than the word God just said? God said, I'm gonna take you into the land and you're gonna conquer the giants. And then there's 12 spies that go, they come back, and they say, but we have cause to be afraid. The people are powerful and the cities are fortified and they're very large. And we even saw the descendants of Anak there and the Amalekites live in the Negev and the Hittites live, the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites, they live in the hill country and the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. And so what they're saying is all the parasites live in the land that you're sending us to. Some of you are just now getting that. All the ites. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and he said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. Do you believe that we can certainly do it, church? We can certainly do it, Caleb. Amen. Amen. Caleb isn't down there with a pom pom saying we can do it. (laughs) Caleb is saying God said. That's what that's what Caleb is doing. Caleb, see, Caleb and Joshua had a different spirit than this group of people, because this whole group of people were murmuring and. and the Caleb signs of people. But then the men who had gone up with them, the other, the ten, there were two that, that had faith. The ten uh, didn't have faith, right? We, can att- we can't attack these people. They're stronger than we are. And they, they spread a bad report. Everybody say bad report. Boy, it's dangerous. About the land they had explored. And they said, the land we explored devours those living in it, which is not true. And all the people saw that there was, all the people that we saw were of great size. That was not true either. There were some giants in the land, but not everybody was a giant. Come on, everybody that you face isn't a giant. (laughs) And if you face giants, God's bigger than your giant. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak from Nephilim. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes and they look the same. We look the same to them. And that night, all the people in the community raised their voices and they wept aloud. And so it just went into hysteria crying and all, all these things, you know what I mean? My, our little grandson, he's three, and um, sometimes his little, he's, he's just at that stage where he gets his feelings hurt sometimes. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so there's just, there's nothing wrong, but he's just, oh, 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 are you with me? Huge emotional response for not a big problem. Come on, you guys, huge emotional outpouring and God's saying, you're okay, baby. You're okay. And all the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron and the whole assembly said to them, if we had only died in Egypt, why did you bring us out here? How in the world? And so there's always, when there is a lack of healthy shame, there's always blame. So it's your fault. It's your fault. It's your fault. It's for, how did you bring us all the way out here? And Moses is saying, I'm trying to get you to the promised land. I'm trying to get you to the promise that God promised. But what happens is we turn on each other and we turn on leadership and then we turn inward and then we fight with one another and then we can't have dialogue and then we lose our civil discourse and then it just, it goes on and on and on. If only we died in Egypt or in the desert, why is the Lord bringing us this land to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and our children will be taken as plunder. God did not say that. God did not say that. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt and they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Here's what I want to say to you. Going back to Egypt is not a choice. That is not a choice that we can make. We're too free. Satan, is, Satan was your taskmaster. He is not your taskmaster today. Satan, <laughs> Satan does not have dominion over your life. He was, but he's not anymore. We're too free. God prophesied to a million and a half people that they would go into the promised land, and two of them made it. And so you say, wow, that is abysmal. You know what I mean? It's abysmal. And so was the prophecy bad? no. It was the disaster of unbelief and fear in a million and a half people, spread by 10. The message spread by 10 people. A million and a half missed their, their destiny. So you get to choose what you believe. Be careful who influences you. Be careful what you're listening to. If you hear, if you turn your television off, so I'm telling every, all of you ahead of time to turn the news completely off because they just had bad news. Some for your life. Well, then how would I know what's going on? I don't know. Turn it off for a year and then turn it back on. <laughs> See if you're in the same spot. <laughs> it's like a soap opera. <laughs> Come on, you guys. Come on. Some, some of you are like, it can't be true. It is true. Read. Look for sources. If you're looking at the media, look for sources that counterbalance what you're hearing and seeing. Because if you only get fed one thing, you'll start to believe what you hear. You, you'll start to just, we'll just start to parrot. You'll start, so all the things that are said, you start to parrot the things that are said. It's amazing. This, you need to be careful who you get into your space or who you let into your space to influence you because a lot of times people are playing the fear, fear card. And if you, so if, if somebody is negative and somebody's playing the fear card, it doesn't matter who they are, or where they're from. If they're playing the fear card and really it's just a disguise for unbelief. It's just a disguise for insecurity because people, you need to surround yourself with people who fan the flames of God's promise in your life, who fan the flames. They just... They pour gasoline on your flames. You know what I mean? I mean, some people bring joy wherever they go, and some people bring joy whenever they go. (laughs) 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 Formal national security advisors bring new. Brzezinski said this. Watch this. Fear obscures reason. Makes us crazy. It intensifies, this was former National Security Advisor, intensifies emotions and makes it easier for demagogic politicians to mobilize the public on behalf of the policies they want to pursue. The culture of fear acquires a life of its own and can and become demoralizing. We're now divided, uncertain, and potentially very susceptible to panic. Easily easy to mobilize people when they're panicked. Easy to mobilize people when, easy to profit from people when they're afraid. Easy, easy to do. <clears throat> Years ago, it was like three churches ago when I was preaching, I was an, I was an early uh, preacher, came out of seminary and I was at a church where it was called a seeker church. Some of you know what I'm talking about. In the seeker church, it's, it's first focus, the, the focus of a seeker church is to make everybody happy. Is to make sure that you, and so the pastor talked to me and he said, uh, he said, You know, when you go to preach, um, he said, I want, You can say this, but when you say this, you probably need to give qualifiers for what you said. And in every church, in every place, there needs to be a place everybody has to have the, the, the sort of the tension between uh, challenge and comfort. Otherwise, you're just preaching to yourself, right? Every church in every situation, there needs to be what you're saying needs to be palatable. I don't mean that. I mean that the priority of a secret church is to make sure that all the people are happy. And I want to tell you. The priority of this church is to make God happy. Okay. Okay, now watch this. But God is happy whenever you're happy. It just is priority. In other words, if we worship and obey God, then the people who are seriously seeking him get caught up in the flow of that worship and obedience to God and they wanna come. They want to come. If you flip it and, you're, and you have a seeker church, then you're just trying to, you know, you're trying to, you're just trying to play the horn. and, to, You know what I mean? How we doing? And, and so every time you do something, you've got to one up what you do because it looks like Cirque du Soleil. And I, and I tell you what, we can't compete with Disney. Disney can do what Disney does. Cirque du Soleil can do whatever. They can do all the flips. They can do all the stuff. We need the gospel. We need Jesus, and <laughs> some of you are like, okay, all right, so he said, when you preach, don't say this, and say this, and we can easily do this to leaders, don't say this, do this, do this, make sure, make sure, the wrong stuff, and when he was done with me, I was having panic attacks, I really, seriously, and I really, I feel for those of you, I had never had a panic attack before in my life, and I haven't since, but, but it's, it's not that it, I couldn't, you know what I mean? I, I was literally, I was in the shower, I'd, Prep my message in the shower, getting ready. And I I felt like somebody had a choker on me and I could not breathe. If you've not had a panic attack, it's what it feels like. It feels like you're gonna die. I said to the Lord, I think I'm gonna die now. And the Lord spoke to me so powerfully. And he said, you cannot dishonor him. Come on, can I get an amen? Because we're under authority. You cannot be dishonorable. Don't dishonor people. Don't fight with people. He says, but you have to honor me first. And if you honor me first, it'll be easy to honor him. And so, and so what I'm asking you to do is have courage. I'm not saying I want you to go fight with people, I want you to honor God. Honor God first in courage, and then it'll be easy to take care of. And if somebody's upset at you, they're just upset at you, just go have lunch. Amen? Amen. Just honor God. The fear of man is a terrible thing. Facing our giants, and I'll, I'll finish up with this, David and Goliath and, um, 1 Samuel 17. 1 Samuel 17 describes the entire giant the whole thing. If you're taking notes, I'm going to move really quickly here. I'm going, to, I'm going to finish, okay? And so here's what God's saying to us. You get the description of the giant. He's 10 feet tall. He has chain mail. It's 200 pounds. He has a spear that's 20 pounds. It's giant. We all have giants. Maybe it's your health. And if we, if we said, how many of you are dealing with health issues? All across the campuses, everywhere. There's lots of people dealing with health. The giant. How many of you are dealing with habits that you don't, you know, I do what I don't wanna do. All of our hands would go up, we have lots of hands, okay? Maybe it's a home issue. Maybe it's your history. All of us deal with giants, and and so, Here's the reality of dealing with giants. Some people say, well, you know, you can't say that you see the giant. And I'm going to say, no, you absolutely need to say that you see the giant. And you can describe the giant. It doesn't mean that you don't have faith when you can describe the giant. You could say, I see the giant, and he's that tall, and he's that big, and all those things. But you have to have hope. Come on, somebody say hope. Hope that God is bigger than your giant. So the giant comes at you in the natural, and God says, I arm you in the Supernatural. 1 Samuel 17, 47, by the sword, by, not by sword or by shield does the Lord say, for the battle belongs to the Lord. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. Last couple of things. we got to check our baggage before we fight. we got to check our baggage before we fight. You see in 1 Samuel 17, David, who was a young man, 16, 17 years old, he checked his baggage with the baggage keeper. And this is in juxtaposition. That's a kind of a fancy preacher word to say that a few chapters earlier in chapter 10, Saul, who was head and shoulders, Saul was the guy that you would pick to be on your kickball team. Saul, Saul, some of you didn't get that. Remember kickball? Saul would be the one that everybody in the office picked. Saul would be the obvious pick, head and shoulders, handsome above everybody else. Here's what I want to say to you. David didn't look like a warrior. David didn't look like a king, but God doesn't pick warriors or kings or princesses and, and priestesses based on what you look like. He does based on your heart. Based on your heart. And if we're ever gonna face giants and we're gonna be successful in defeating them in our season and our time, if we're ever gonna face the giants, we've got to deal with our baggage. Come on, somebody. We gotta take our baggage and we gotta put our baggage where, where it belongs. Come on, you can clap that up. We can do it. <laughs> Saul looked really good, but Saul was hiding in the baggage. Saul was hiding in his own baggage. And God said to David, David, I want you to check the baggage. And then he went and gave him uh, five smooth stones, and God has calling you and your anointing, in your season, For your giants, he's gonna put things in your hands. You can't use somebody else's anointing. It has to be your wiring and your readiness and your fit and your design. It doesn't need to be fancy. It needs to be empowered by God. It needs to be empowered, literally empowered by God. God gave David the power to face the giants. And I wanna tell you this. If we don't face the giants in our time, if we don't get rid of bitterness and anger and lust, If we don't get rid of those things, all we do is pass them on. They get bigger, and our kids have to face them. (laughs) Here's how I want to end Israel stayed out of the promised land for 40 years because they were afraid of the giants. Say, I'm not afraid. afraid. I know you are. (laughs) We can be afraid, but we have to face them. We can be afraid, but we have to face them secularism, LGBTQ, plus, plus, plus. I can't even keep up with it anymore. Gender issues, BLM, CRT, COVID, World Health Organization, the issues that are going on now with the fight with Roe v. Wade. Do you know a week ago, there were about 1,000 churches, 1,000 Catholic churches were attacked on Sunday. 1,000 churches, Catholic churches, were attacked a week ago. Did you know that? Go read about it. These issues that are coming up in our culture, they're like giants. I'm not not saying that you have to have a caricature of righteousness. I'm saying that you need to be settled in your righteousness. Jesus knows who you are. They were afraid to go in. When Joshua went in, they destroyed the giants. He led the charge, and they destroyed the giants in the land. They were giant people. They destroyed them. And then they drove them out of the territory where they lived. How many of you know, Tampa is our Canaan? This is, my children were born here. Two of the three. And my grandchildren are born here. And my children's children's children, they're going to be born here. And Tampa, I mean, I know it's Tampa Bay and Tampa Bay, but it's also (laughs) Tampa Bay. Some of you have not heard that one before. Caught you by surprise. But this is also the Bay of the Holy Spirit. This is also God's place. This is a place where God has called us. And when they drove them out of the region, they defeated the giants and drove them out of re- a few brave people, caused millions of people to inherit their promise, and a few. And the giants were relegated out of their region and then relegated to three small regions. And oh, listen to this: let's, 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 I hadn't put this together. And Israel did not deal with giants for three hundred and thirty-seven years because of the bravery of Joshua and the people that followed him. And then, when a giant showed up, three hundred and thirty-seven years later. A guy from Gath, which is one of the areas where the giants were relocated, out of the region of the Israelites, when a giant showed up from Gath, his name was Goliath. A boy who was 16 years old took him out with a rock. (laughs) Come on, guys. Come on, you guys. Can we pray for that courage? Can we end like that? Can we pray for that courage? Father, in the name of Jesus. We thank you for courage. Just receive courage right now. We, just, we pray across all of our campuses, we receive courage. Not to be ugly, not to be obtuse, but to stand for the gospel, but to stand for Jesus, to, to speak the truth in love, to stand, to stand, to stand, to stand, to stand, to speak, to activate. Thank you, God, that right now you're birthing sons and daughters, Joshua's and Caleb's, that you're spreading the spirit of Joshua and Caleb. that those who are holding that spirit would be the breakthrough for other people. And now we want to just trust Christ the Savior. Every voice across all of our campuses, would just say, Lord Jesus, today is the day. And I give you my life. I know I've sinned. I turn it over to you. I'm yours. We hope you enjoyed that message from our lead pastor, Greg Dumas. Don't forget, you can watch all of our messages on demand on our YouTube channel. You can subscribe at youtube.com slash church. We hope to worship with you in person at one of our three locations this weekend. For all times and locations, visit wearecrossing.com.